Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome, Birds fans. Philadelphia Eagle fans, are you ready to be covered 365 days a year? Because we plan on doing that for you. This is Birds 365 on the Jacobs Media YouTube channel and access to via phillyvoice.com. You are looking live at the newest Mac and Mac duo. Uh, yours truly, Jody McDonald, with my partner, John McMullen. We are Birds 365. J-Mac, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Hope everybody had a happy Easter, who uh, obviously uh, celebrates. And uh, I'm excited, Jody. I, I mean, right back to it. It's April. You know what that means. NFL Draft Month. And I know we're going to talk plenty about the NFL Draft today. Again, for those of you just finding us, well, you, you were on top of things. You knew that the show was kicking off, getting started today, a new Philadelphia Eagles show for you. Yes, I'm Bird Sturk 65. We're going to talk about the entire National Football League. But with a serious bent toward the hometown team here in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles. John, it's a new day for us. Uh, you and I are starting this show, and hopefully we do this for a nice lengthy period of time, at least 365. We got to get a whole year in. We got to get 365 in. We got to do that. uh, I would think that would be a minimum, but we shall see. Uh, I'm like you very much looking forward to this, except for one thing. Um, I've been here in town for over 30 years. You've been covering them now for a couple of years. There were better days prior to today. As we jump aboard with birds 365 today, the Philadelphia Eagles are what the record says they are. They're a four, 11 and one team in the midst of a restructuring as Jeffrey Laurie, the owner told us during this off season, which every team has to go through from time to time. No one stays at the top of the mountain where the Eagles were just three years ago as Super Bowl champions. No one stays there forever. You go up the mountain, you come back down the mountain right now. They are in a bit of a Valley but they need to start to trek back up the mountain. This offseason started as soon as they finished up that last game against the uh, Washington football team with Nate Sudfeld at the helm. Oh, we got plenty to say about that over the course <laughs> of the next The several... unstoppable Nate Sudfeld. Can we say that? According exactly. to Jeffrey Lurie. Next... But you're right about the cyclical nature of football, Jody. You know, the Patriots maybe tried <laughs> to keep it going. And kept it going as long as anybody, essentially two-plus decades. But, yeah, this is what happens in this industry. And you have cycles. You have upturns. You have downticks. And the Eagles are in a transition phase, and that's what Lori called it. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you look at it from a two-year perspective, well, let's be honest. The Eagles are taking their medicine this year from a salary cap standpoint for a couple reasons. Carson Wentz. Being the most obvious, you and I have discussed that. Jeffrey Lurie took a gulp of $34 million medicine, so that does not taste good, especially in a pandemic year where the salary cap goes in a negative fashion for the first time in NFL history. 
So they're sort of taking a step back, starting to rebuild. And that's what Howie Roseman did by, by moving down in the draft, which, which we'll talk a lot about in the coming weeks. And potentially, potentially, this team could have three first-round picks in 2022. And, Jody, if you make the right decisions in this draft, you could be right back in an up cycle by, by next season. I think that's the best case scenario. Uh, uh, let's talk about what uh, Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman did this with this team during the offseason. The biggest move, of course, was, yes, to move away from Carson Wentz. Anyone who reads you on SI and or phillyboys.com knows your stance. If they listen to me on WIP, they know my stance. If they've heard you and I, when I bring you on my show as a guest, know our stance collectively. But we're playing to a whole new audience today. So we need to kind of lay the groundwork of where we're coming from. Carson Wentz was supposed to be the man. He was supposed to be the franchise quarterback in this town for a decade plus. It didn't work out that way. In your opinion, why? What was the biggest reason that Carson Wentz's era ended as quickly, as early, and as unfriendly as it did here in Philadelphia? Boy, that was like a, a perfect storm. It's, it's tough to pick one, and that's why I'm excited we're going to have my friend Joe Santa Liquido on the program here in the first hour in a little bit because he was the one that sort of first broke uh, – Sort of the story that everything wasn't all roses with Carson Wentz and the organization, with Carson Wentz and his teammates. Um, so that was part of it. Nick Foles making his run uh, was part of it. Let's be honest. I think Carson Wentz never got over that. And the fact that there's a statue of Nick Foles outside Lincoln Financial Field. I Real quick, I always tell this story, Jody, when Jason Peters, who, remember, was injured 2017 that same Super Bowl season missed essentially half the season came back the next year I remember a reporter showing up at training camp and asking JP you know how excited are you to go get your own go get your own Super Bowl ring and Jason Peters who anybody who's ever met him six foot four 330 pounds on a good day uh, stared right through him and said already got one because he knew he was a big part of that team trying to bring along uh, a Halapula Vati Vata. I don't think Carson Wentz ever had that feeling, even though he was such a huge part of that Super Bowl championship. They don't win that Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. They're 11-2 and two when he goes down. They win that game in Los Angeles. That's part of it. And, and let's be honest, the drafting of Jalen Hurts at 53 – that got in Carson Wentz's psyche last year, and he never recovered. I have to admit that that's something that you had to bring me into. I still don't believe it with the same fervor that you and many other people that cover the Philadelphia Eagles do, that the biggest issue that Carson Wentz had this year was the drafting of Jalen Hurts got in his head. Maybe I'm giving Carson Wentz too much credit. I was a big fan of the player, or I've been throughout his entire career, defended him vociferously at the beginning of the year when people started picking on him and the Eagles got off to a slow start. I said, you do realize this guy was a ma major MVP candidate just a couple of years ago, and you think he's fallen that far off the earth. Well, they were right. I was wrong. But I defended Carson Wentz to the gills on a week-in, yeah. week-out basis. I just believed he was tougher than that. 
and that it would come back around, that the, the Eagles couldn't be as bad as they were showing. Well, they were, and he was. And the more guys like yourself and others continue to ring the bell of Carson just didn't understand the Eagles not supporting him the way they, he wanted them to, that he was put off by the fact that Jalen Hurts was brought in. And as soon as Jalen Hurts was inserted into the game, which, by the way, and I said this during the season on my show, wherever anybody would listen to me, uh, I think Doug Peterson gave him more rope than he needed to to hang himself. That Doug Peterson could have pulled the plug on Carson Wentz earlier than he did. When he did, Carson Wentz has now since told us, oh, he started to immediately think that Philadelphia might not be the place for me and envisioning himself elsewhere. Well, shame on Carson Wentz. They gave you $100 million. If that isn't enough faith in you for you to keep your confidence about you, that's on you. That's not on the Philadelphia. That's not on Doug Peterson. That's on you, Carson. There were reasons that added to Carson's playing as poorly as he did. It wasn't just him by himself in a vacuum. It was the offensive line. It was not enough skill position players. It was questionable play calling at times by Doug Peterson. Yes, all of those things contributed. But the bottom line is, it was your job, Carson. They handed it to you. They handed you $100 million. If that wasn't confidence enough in you, well, then you didn't have enough confidence in yourself. So, yes, uh, I went from being a stout Carson Wentz fan, devotee, and defender to a guy who really questioned him. If you guys have it right, and only Carson knows for sure, and he's never going to admit to it one way or the other, but if Carson couldn't handle the fact that the Eagles used a second-round pick, not a first, a second-round pick on a quarterback, and that got inside his head, that tells me that uh, he's not as tough a player as I thought he was. I, I don't disagree with that criticism, Jody. But I do think, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate, if you want to look at the other side and say you understand Carson Wentz, it is rare for an NFL team to do that with a quarterback that is 27 years old. People look at Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and, and say he was not happy with Jordan Love, who was a first-round pick. Uh, but Aaron is 37, 38 years old. I, I mean, you do have to start thinking uh, about the next page. Same thing happened with Aaron when Brett Favre was there, and it was the same type situation. Point is, quarterbacks are never happy. And uh, I always, you know, there's this quarterback, um, a, a CFL quarterback named Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, and he was a CFL star. And when I covered the Minnesota Vikings, the Vikings wanted to bring him in to be a potential backup quarterback uh, to Kirk Cousins. Uh, and I'll never forget this because, um, you know, Bo came in, did the typical rah-rah, I'm here to compete. Uh, I want to do everything to, to push uh, Kirk Cousins. And the Vikings said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't want you here for that. We want you to be a a good soldier in the locker room. We want you to support the starting quarterback. We don't want you to create one wave. That is the typical sentiment in the NFL, believe it or not. And that happens, especially with a star quarterback, especially with a quarterback that you paid $130 million to, essentially, uh, $128 with that four-year extension. So it is rare to 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 – sign a quarterback to that type of extension, and all of a sudden, less than 
two calendar years later, you're drafting another quarterback and you go out and say, he's a top tier talent. He's got a chance to be a star quarterback in this league. We're the quarterback factory, blah, blah, blah. It is very rare. I could not come up with, with a, a, a comparison. It hasn't happened in over 40, 50 years in the NFL. Understood, but teams are allowed to run their franchise the way they want. Oh, sure. And the Eagles decided that this was a good move. I know I was in the major minority who actually liked the draft. I thought that Hertz was a borderline first-ranked talent for uh, late first, early second. The Eagles got him in the mid-second round, which I thought was value at the time. I had no issues with it. They had no backup quarterback on the roster, unless you consider the great Nate Sudfeld a backup quarterback. They needed a backup quarterback. Backup quarterbacks are getting paid pretty good money. Oh, by the way, see what the Eagles paid for Joe Flacco this offseason. They could have gotten Jalen Hurts for cheaper than that. And you've got a guy who could potentially be on the improve, getting better rather than a backup quarterback. Joe Flacco now is what he is. And I do want to ask about Joe Flacco, who said he's coming in here to compete. Oh, my yeah, God. Jalen Hurts must be shaking yes. in his boots because the other quarterback is saying he wants to compete. I hope Jalen Hurts is no Carson Wentz in that way. Um, but they paid more for Flacco than they did for Hurts uh, this past year. Yep. So Carson yep. Wentz had to be able to deal with that. He had to understand that. He didn't, and that's why he's now in Indianapolis Colts. Uh, since we went there, let me ask you about the Joe Flacco backup quarterback signing. Uh, I'm a Jet guy, like the Jets, watch the Jets, watch all our games either live or on tape thereafter. Uh, saw Flacco play several games this year because Donald was hurt. Didn't know if he had anything left in the tank when the Jets signed him as their backup quarterback. He actually showed me a little something, something. He's still got a very strong arm. He, too, was playing with understaff offense the same way Sam Donald did uh, during the year. I thought he looked fine as a backup quarterback. In my eyes, that's all that he is anymore, despite his saying he's coming in here to compete. I don't think there is going to be much of a competition. I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts' job. I was a little surprised at the amount of money that they had to pay him uh, because he was coming off being a guy who was basically out of the league and uh, just looking for a job. I know he's healthy coming in this year, which he wasn't last year for the Jets, and that's why the Jets were able to pay him as little as they did to get a backup yes. quarterback. Did yes. you like the signing? Will it work for the Eagles? Is Flacco a good guy to have as a backup to Jalen Hurts this year? I, I do like the signing. I think it's the best you can hope for as a veteran backup. And Joe Flacco's won a lot in this league, and you hit the nail on the head, Jody. The Jets got him at a discount because nobody knew if he was healthy. And that's what he was able to do, even though he didn't have success. He was able to prove to the rest of the league that he was healthy. And you could count on him from that standpoint. All of a sudden, we know free agency, supply and demand. Well, the San Francisco 49ers were looking at bringing him in as a backup. So all of a sudden, you have competition that price goes up and you have to pay him a little bit more money. But you also bring up, it's very interesting to me that people who say Carson Wentz should embrace competition are criticizing Joe Flacco for saying, I want to compete. You know, a lot of the same people are saying, what are you doing, Joe? You saw the criticism, Jody. Uh, so part of it is, you know, just lip service. Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback of this team. Um, but Joe Flacco is a veteran quarterback who's won a Super Bowl, who's won 10, I think, postseason games. The most impressive thing to me about Joe Flacco, 
is he had a stretch of five consecutive years and six out of seven, Jody, where he won a playoff game. So that's consistency, not got to the playoffs. Like Andy Dalton had that run mm-hmm. of six straight years in Cincinnati where he made the playoffs. Joe Flacco won a playoff game every single year. That's really difficult to do. So he knows how to win at a high level if you need him. Uh, you know, if Jalen has a high ankle sprain, he's going to miss a couple weeks. I think he can go out and win you a couple games, and that's all you want from a backup quarterback. A lot of things about Joe Flacco I want, I like, and I think will serve the Eagles well. I'm with you. I don't really think there's a competition, but if he wants to say that, it shouldn't have Jalen Hurts shaking in his boots because I don't think it's going to be much of a competition. And I don't think it does, by the way. Different personalities. Jalen Hurts doesn't have the same personality as Carson Wentz, but, Jody, I will say, this is the team of emotional intelligence. How does Jeffrey Lurie, how does Howie Roseman not look at the human nature aspect of this, do everything in a vacuum. Like these guys are assets. Like they don't have uh, feelings. Like they don't have personalities. You're going to throw emotional intelligence at me. You better show some emotional intelligence. No, they certainly met read Carson Wentz wrong. Well, I can't really give him that hard a time because I read him wrong too. I thought he was a tough-natured competitor, and I don't believe that is the case now. And best of luck in Indianapolis, Carson. Do us a favor, stay healthy, because we need you to stay healthy. 75%. So that second second round pick does become a first round pick going forward for the birds. Uh, The only thing that scares me about Flacco, last thing, and then we'll punch up our first guest here in a second. The one thing that Flacco doesn't bring to the table, certainly that Jalen Hurts does, is uh, mobility. Um, he is a statue. Yeah. There, yeah. there are pocket quarterbacks, and then there are statues. And at this stage of his career, Joe Flacco is an unquestioned statue. They're going to design an offense that is going to best fit Jalen Hurts. And if and when Jalen Hurts is out of the lineup, has an injury, needs to be subbed out for, and Joe Flacco's going in, they're going to have to tinker the offense. They're going to have to change it. They're going to have to be yeah. able to put something else in on the fly. It's nice when your two quarterbacks have a similar type of game that their strengths and, and things that they do are uh, of the same ilk. Uh, it just makes it easier on the offensive coordinator with a new, whole new coaching staff, new offense being put in. They're going to basically, as far as I'm concerned, put in two offenses, one that's going to run when Hertz is in there, one that hopefully doesn't have to be run often. But if it does, Joe Flacco's in there. They need to be two different offenses, do they not? Yeah, it's a good point, Joe. Do you like to have a similar skill set with your backup quarterback, and it's completely different? But I got to tell you, Nick Sirianni, first time we mentioned the new head coach, look, he has pointed to his time in Indianapolis and said we had three different quarterbacks. We had Andrew Luck, we had Jacoby Brissett, we had Phillip Rivers, all different skill sets. We changed the offense for him. So he is championing championing that as one of his skills, one of his top skills as being a coach in this league. So he and Shane Steichen and everybody else on that coaching staff needs to be in that position. I will say this. I'd rather have a good backup quarterback than a bad backup quarterback that has a similar skill set as the starter. I agree wholeheartedly with that. That's why we both like the Flacco signing. All right, we've already talked about Carson Wentz. 
our first guest, our next guest, a.k.a. our first guest, is a guy who kind of opened people's eyes about Carson Wentz, his relationship with some of the guys in the locker room. A whole bunch of Eagle fans were none too pleased when he put up the questions that he did about Carson and his relationship with his uh, teammates. We'll go into it with him. We'll back it up and give him some credit because it seems like the reporting he did and the sources that he had were pretty darn accurate. Uh, he covers the Eagles as well for phillyvoice.com. Joe Santa Liquido will be the first guest of the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, and he joins us next. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The, the, the Middle. The middle. Now, Barrett's on a phone today, so that's why the, the quality isn't what yeah. you would expect. My green screen is out. Right now, we are the physical embodiment of what the Philadelphia Eagles are. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Fully showered. I've got my hair uh, slicked back with product. And I gave you guys a precursor for what last night was going to be. A whole lot of this. And I was right. The Middle with Aton Sander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Sprinkler Fitters Local 692 represents a storied history and heritage of steam fitters, plumbers, and gas fitters dating back to the late 1800s and continues today to thrive into the 21st century. Local 692 is a highly trained group of skilled individuals. Local 692 represents the Philadelphia building trades and provides excellence completing the job on time under budget. Local 692, a proud member of the Philadelphia Union community, Wayne Miller, business manager. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. newest show on the Jacob Media Network, accessible on phillyvoice.com, wherever you're catching us, listening to us, punching us up, streaming us, we appreciate it greatly. We're planning on doing this every day at this time, and you can go back and watch it again after the show is over and done with today, but it will be 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. every day right here on uh, Birds 365. Jody McDonald with my partner, John McMullen, and we've got our first guest on the show. (laughs) 
he keeps the follically challenge aspect of the show intact with those of us from both our show and the middle. Harry May's the only one he puts product in his hair. He's the only one who has hair to put product in. Uh, a fellow follically uh, challenge chapter reporter, our buddy Joe Santa Liquido, is our first guest, guest with us here on Birds 365. How are you, Joe? I'm doing well, guys. Do you hear me? We hear yeah, you well. We got you. Okay. Well, listen, first off, I'm very honored by this. Believe me, the both of you is, uh, I believe I thank you both, uh, we'll just say off the air for uh, the support and the belief and the trust in me when uh, when a hell of a lot of people didn't really trust me two years ago. And uh, uh, some did some things that were extreme. <laughs> some questioned me, but in the end, I know what I had on my side and that was the truth. Yeah, and Joe, you know, you and I have talked off the air a lot about Carson Wentz and, mm -hmm. and his relationship uh, with the organization, the fans. And that's one of the things, you know, personally, I get along with Carson. We've talked with that. I, I mm -hmm. like him uh, well, but I've always noted personalities in locker rooms. I mean, you get 65 guys together. Not everybody's going to like everybody. Why do you think it was so difficult for people to uh, – except the fact that maybe not everybody in the world loved the quarterback. Well, first off, I think he's admitted uh, that he does have a type A personality, which um, I can kind of relate to a little bit because I have a type A personality when it comes to certain things. And that could be a little bit standoffish. Um, the thing that I think that I gathered through time that bothered these guys was that he wasn't more um, – and the Eagles, I believe, uh, and you guys would know this very well, they like to use the word collaborative. And he didn't yeah. seem to to be as collaborative, we'll just say, with things uh, off the field as we would say uh, with things on the field. And then obviously we found that through time he wasn't so collaborative with things on the field either, but um, that seemed to be an issue. And, and what set a few guys off was, you know, here's a guy that uh, even from what I know, and I, I know some people very, very well that played with Brady up in New England. I mean, I know two people very, very well personally that, you know, he would even interact you know, the great Tom Brady, you know, the all-time great, the GOAT, he would interact with guys. Um, but there seemed to be a bit of a standoffishness about Wentz that turned a lot of guys off. Um, uh, stuff that I left out of the story, which I'll touch on here a little bit, was the religious aspect of things. Um, no one's demeaning uh, Carson Wentz's uh, religious beliefs by, any, by, 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 by no means, by any means. But there was this clickish thing that seemed to be there mm -hmm. this uh god squad thing which i think john you you're aware of yeah. that you know if you're not part of me and part of that god squad group you're not part of me period and there seemed to be a little bit of that that distance there that wall there that that, that got put up and that was one of a handful of things with with Carson Wentz. He was a, an acquired taste. By no means am I saying Carson Wentz is a bad guy. I don't think I've ever said that. But he could be an icy guy. He could be, again, a, a guy that is standoffish. And and credit to Wentz again, and I, I've said this numerous times over the last few years since that original story was was, was posted, is that he's taken account of that. He's, he's taken a look and, you know, I'm going to try to be more accessible. Uh, I know, I know for a fact uh, that he did read the story. We we all know, the three of us know that he read the story. Mm -hmm. And we also know that uh, he tried to address it. You know, he tried to make himself more accountable. He tried to make himself more accessible to guys. I also know for a fact he's 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 trying to make that effort right here, first step, and it's a good first step from what I'm told by uh, someone 
someone in a pretty strong position with the Colts that he's make he's making attempts that he's turning around and you know what I might not have come off the way I'd like to have come off in Philadelphia and I'm trying to change and, and trying to make correct the error of my ways. Joe, uh, 2020 hindsight, uh, years after you wrote the piece, we now see that most of the things that you reported on and the conclusions that you drew were pretty damn accurate. Um, the Eagles drafted him where they did at number two. They gave him the big contract. They had faith in him. They believed whatever issues you were seeing and others were seeing weren't that big a deal. Were they just blinded by it? Do you think they actually knew that there were issues that should have been dealt with at the time when you wrote the column as the years continued on and just decided not to do that, to go uh, blind man on the situation? Or do you believe that they actually knew it was coming down and said, we're just going to try and work our way through this, even though we now know it did not work? Well, I think we all know they knew. And the reason why is we all have tangible evidence of this. And that evidence comes in the fact that after that story was written, uh, and John knows this well, you know this well, Jody, that remember the, uh, the gang of six, we'll call it, they called six handpicked reporters in to address the matter. Now, if it was pocket lint, if it was nothing, and it came from a so-called nothing reporter, me, um, they wouldn't have addressed it. But think about this. They did. And uh, some very close friends of mine said, you know what, Joe, it serves validation to what you did, even if Wentz turned around and yelled fake news, which, again, he didn't. Credit to him. He uh he was accountable for things. He came right out and said these things. But this was this was called in. The Eagles called these guys in. The Eagles called these these handpicked reporters in to address this matter. So they knew there was a matter brewing. They knew something was cooking there. What exactly they knew, I can't say for sure, but I can say this. And and again, people turn around and and let me correct everybody. Um Breaking news here on your on your first uh, your first broadcast here with this um, is that I really don't deserve any credit for this. I really don't. I happen to be someone that happened to be in the right place at the right time. The guys that spoke to me are the ones that deserve the credit. The guys that came to me with these things and said the things that they said and had to say, they're the ones that deserve the credit. They're the ones that came out and said, you know what, there's an issue here that's going on. We have to turn around and address it. I happen to be the fool. <laughs> walked into a situation, which, I mean, sometimes what's the saying? It's better to be lucky than be good. Well, I've yeah. been lucky a few times, uh, whether it be bo boxing, whether it be football, whether it be baseball, whatever. Uh, and, and again, you guys know the background and, and the backstory of how the story even began. So um, uh, those guys are the ones that deserve the credit. And, and the Eagles knew there were things brewing there. For them to turn around and call Wentz in, and have I think it was John? Was it Thursday of Super Bowl week? Because the story yeah, it was, was Super Bowl week. Yeah, yeah a so lot of us were down yeah. at the Super Bowl mm -hmm. when the when the so-called meeting took place. Mm -hmm. um, and that you know there was a little back and forth. Obviously, some reporters who were in town uh, were upset that they were left out. The Eagles kind of claimed that. Uh, it was because of, if it were a typical Eagles, remember that was pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. So anybody who watched an Eagles press conference knows uh, we all scream over each other trying to get the uh, the questions in and it mm -hmm. would have been worse. They thought it would have been a circus. That was the Eagles framing of it, Eagles mm -hmm. narrative of it. Um, but but I, I do think, Joe, it's interesting though, because Carson has acknowledged 
there's issues with his leadership style and tried to address it. And you mentioned, again, he's trying to do it in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. I think it's an uphill battle for him. I, I don't think it's natural to him. And maybe ultimately that's where it all stems from. Yeah, that's a great point, John, because, again, there's that standoffish quality to him. There's yeah. that uh, he doesn't seem to be. I don't know if he has enough faith in himself. That's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, sometimes here you have personalities that don't you're trying to fit that square peg through a round hole. And regardless of how much you try and try and try and try, it just doesn't go. Uh, Carson Wentz, I believe his strength is his stubbornness. And also, I think we all know by now, a, a major weakness of his is, again, his stubbornness. Um, we'll see uh, how things turn out in Indianapolis so far from what I know and the one conversation I had with someone there is that he's making so far the good first steps, the right steps. And also this, this, this is a big key too. Indianapolis isn't throwing the whole ball of wax in his lap like the Eagles did. Uh uh, Jeff McClain's stories were were, were, were were very good. They were they were right on. Uh, and this is something here that, uh, again, to quote Jeff McClain about what I had originally wrote. Jeff uh, sent me a very nice text. It said, you know, you peeled away the first layers. And one of those first layers was the fact that the Eagles gave him, Jeff Lurie gave him, Howie Roseman ga gave him almost complete autonomy in a lot of ways. Um, the way it was worded to me when I was doing the uh, the research for the story and 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 getting that that outside collaboration for the story, which sent me back inside the building, is the famous uh, quote that someone said. You know, he has more power in there at the time they felt than Doug Peterson, Harry Roseman. If he wanted to, he has the line of the bat phone, and he can get anybody fired that he wants. And that is still, you know, this is two years later, and and that's still that's still that quote still resonates. Joe, uh, a lot of what you wrote about was relationships and Carson Wentz's relationships with his teammates. Maybe the most important relationship. It's either coach and general manager or quarterback and coach. So one of the most important relationships with every football team is that one between the coach and the quarterback. The line you just gave us about he might have more power than either the coach or the general manager in his Philadelphia situation. Carson Wentz kind of is telling but both of them are responsible for that relationship. The quarterback yeah. has to work with the coach. The coach mm -hmm. is calling plays. Yeah, he can check down, and we're supposed to believe he checked down often and just for the sake of checking down this year. Uh, but the relationship with Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson started hand-in-hand. Hand. Doug's first year, Carson gets the job, even though it looked like he was going to sit for a year after being drafted number two. There's no reason that it shouldn't have been a good relationship. It certainly deteriorated. Uh, we all like to play the blame game. How do you share the blame between Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson that their relationship turned into the mess that it was? I'm going to go. I'm going to go 70-30. Uh, Wentz as the cause. 70-30. Part of it was Doug, uh, and it came to a point in time which I, I, you know, which I dug into this past season. What was going on? First off, what I found out, and again, no disrespect, again, meant to Jeff McLean. He did an amazing story, uh, a couple of postseason stories on this past season. But part of what I found out was uh, Wentz was given the power to change the plays from Peterson. And when he was turning around and, and making mistakes, and obviously we saw a glaring mistake in that interception he threw in the season opener against Washington in Washington. And that was a um, uh, that was a precursor 
of what really unfolded last season. Uh, it came to a point in time where, you know, Wentz loved that power. He loved the power to have that, that ability to change the place at the line of scrimmage, and Peterson gave it to him. Uh, it came to a period of, came to a point where, you know, Wentz was again making these mistakes. And Peterson was like, you know what, you know, dude, I, I got I to gotta start reining this in a little bit more. I got to start reining this in a little bit more. And Wentz pushed back against that. That seemed to, that that was a, a major, major point of friction between the two of them. But Wentz did not change the plays despite Doug Peterson. And these are from people that don't like Wentz. <laughs> and they made sure, you know, listen, Carson's a lot of things. But one thing Carson isn't is someone that's going to ter- purposely turn around and spite the coach and in a way – Despite himself, it's like, what's the saying? Uh, I'm going to cut my nose to spite my face. Um, that was not the case at all. You know, he was he was making mistakes. Peterson saw the mistakes he was making. By this time, it was too late. Doug Peterson's problem is this. And I think you guys would agree. John, you're down there a lot. You know Doug as well as anyone. Doug is a great guy. And Doug's problem is, Doug Peterson's problem is, he's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he happened to be, he's the kind of guy that um, uh, some guys... I would say maybe some guys would take advantage of a little bit here and there. He had players coach the old the old players coach narrative, whatever. He is a good guy, but you're a hundred percent right. And with Carson Wentz, I would say, yeah, he did not change plays to spite Doug Peterson. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you go all the way back, Joe, to when the argument was Carson Wentz or Jared Goff back in the 2016 draft. The Eagles' claim at the time was, we want Wentz. We always wanted Wentz because he he can handle things at the line of scrimmage. He's got a leg up the way North Dakota State plays offense, the way he can handle things, the autonomy at the line of scrimmage. The Eagles always wanted to give him that autonomy. The problem is, as as he got he got regressively worse at it, which is, again, that's the part where I scratch my head. That's the part – the on the field stuff. I get the personality stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't to this day. I can't explain the on the field uh, regression. I can't. He didn't trust anyone around him. He his eye levels. Uh, and again, this is from people that know the game, people that watch this guy. His eye levels began to drop. Where again, he had that. You know, you would see, for example, Aaron Rodgers, perfect example, always looking up. Field, always looking. Always looking yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, Wentz, the eye level would drop to the line of scrimmage to see who's coming at me instead of looking up and seeing what I have there, seeing who's open outside there. So you have the eye level that drops. Um, he he began, to, he, did, he didn't trust the receiving court that he had. He was not about to turn around, hence holding the ball, thinking. And more thinking. And this was again, this was this, this was even in the season. This was even after the 28th season, what I was writing about. You know, you start to see inklings of this then, where again, he doesn't trust anyone with the exception of Zach Ertz. Um, statistically, you could say Foles looked at Ertz as much as Carson Wentz looked at Ertz. But here, and this is from guys in the huddle with him. These are guys on the field with him. These are guys in the rooms with him, in the quarterback room, in the receiving room, in the offensive room, when they're breaking things down. You know, this is according to these guys, you know, and what they see and what they felt on the field. Statistically speaking, yeah, Foles did look at Ertz as much as Wentz looked at Ertz. But the bottom line is when you're looking down the field, and as someone said to me, to quote an individual, and I'll, I'll clean it up, this is a family show, you know, mm. that, that blankety-blank, you know, will look at me when I'm 10 yards away from the blankety-blank, you know, where the other guy, 86, can have a 10-ton, a, a you know, gorilla hanging on his back, and he's still going to look at it. 
you know, where I have to have, I have to be 10 yards away from my guy for him to even look at me. Uh, so that seemed to be the prevailing thought among, among the group of guys that were in the huddle with Carson Wentz. And I'm talking about the offensive line. I'm talking about the receivers and I'm talking about the running backs. I'm talking about the whole core. Right, you know, why is he little... holding onto the ball? Why is he holding on the ball? Because he doesn't trust anybody. He doesn't trust the offensive line to obviously hold the block long enough for him to look down the field. He doesn't trust his receivers to get open. You know, hence again, he's holding onto the ball. And he didn't trust himself in the end to put that ball through that tight window. And that's why he was making the mistakes he was making. Carson Wentz lost Carson Wentz. In 2020. And the Philadelphia Eagles. So best of luck to him with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Mm -hmm. The quarterback now is Jalen Hurts. At least that's what we believe. But shoot, I thought Carson Wentz was going to be here for a decade. So what the hell do I know? Um, Jalen Hurts is going to take over as the new man here in town. We got a good glimpse of him last year. But that's all it was, was a glimpse uh, at the tail end of the season, which was short-circuited in the final game by Doug Peterson to put Nate Sutfeld in. Oh, we'll de- dedicate an entire show to that one of these days here on Birds 365. But we did saw what we see what we saw, and they did trade Carson Wentz, and you have to believe they did so because they believe Jalen Hurts is capable of becoming their franchise quarterback. What's the relationship? This to both of you guys who covered the team. What is the relationship with Hurts and his teammates? No, it's an ever-changing group, and there are going to be wide receivers here this year coming up that have never been here before and some that were here for a long time that are no longer here. Is Jalen Hurts in at least as good a position as a second-year quarterback as Carson Wentz was when he came out of his rookie year, starting the entire year and going into his second year? How do you comp those two quarterbacks both at their comparative stages in their career? Uh, I would say from the SEC people that I know and I spoke to, uh, they like the progress that Hurts made as a passer this past season. Uh, There's still some doubts about his overall skill. There is a skill gap. There is a skill gap. Carson Wentz, uh, and again, this is according to people that I I still know in 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 that dressing room, is that Wentz has the better skills. Wentz is a, uh, he's a far better passer still. Um, uh, he sees the field for what little he did see the field this past season. Uh, at least his history shows he saw the field better than the way Jalen Hurts sees the field right now. So there's still some things there that um, Hurts has to make up in terms of physical ability. What Hurts does have is uh, the intangibles. Those, uh, those invisible things that players love. I mean, they love the fact that he's a go-getter. They love the fact that if, for example, the wheels were turned and Wentz or Hertz was the, uh, the incumbent here and Wentz came into the situation, Jalen Hurts would not have asked for a trade. Jalen Hurts would have fought for his job. And that is something that guys love, that he did not turn around at the first sign of trouble, at the first sign of, the, you know, he's smelling smoke. Ah, I got to run. You know, that's not Jalen Hurts. I'm going to run to the fire. I'm not going to run away from it. Whereas guys here, especially at the end in reference to uh, Mr. Wentz, is they had the impression, and this really turned off a lot of guys. It really pissed off a lot of guys that he's asking for a trade, that he could not have run away fast enough from the fire. You know, this was a struggling team, a team that had a hell of a lot of holes in it. But Hurts was willing to turn around, you know. I know what's going on. Let's keep on trying. Let's keep on working hard, guys. And he's the kind of guy guys love to rally around. And you don't have to have a, a PhD in football to see. And, John, you were there. You, you know more football on the tip of your picky than I do in my whole round body. You saw the way these guys rallied around him. You saw the way they were willing to play for him. Yeah, an incredible natural leader. So 
I ask you, Joe, what, you know, when you look at this whole thing, what, what, what part does this organization, I mentioned this with Jody before you got on, you know, Jeffrey Laurie is the one who coined emotional intelligence. You know, at what point does the organization bear some blame when they see they bring in a guy like Jalen Hurts who people gravitate towards, and especially the younger players, the Jalen Ragers of the world, the, the young receivers, Quez Watkins, Sean Hightower. You know, he's always working this offseason with his personal quarterback coach, Quincy Avery. He's working out with his guys, Rager and Ward. These guys gravitate towards him. At what point do you see, hey, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the greatest personality. A lot yeah, of his yeah. teammates think he's standoffish. Yeah. He can still play, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're not going to move on. Mm-hmm. At what point do you say to yourself, maybe we don't want to put this in the mix, so to speak? What What do you think the organization, do they bear a brunt when it comes to that? They do because, first off, they gave uh, – they put a lot of um, – uh, an Easter reference, they put a lot of eggs in the Carson Wentz basket. And uh, so they, they bear the responsibility there. They gave him way, way, way too much power. And they let Wentz know that. Uh, so that's where I think they blame some of the responsibility. Here's a twist of it, though, for both you guys. Now, should should they have drafted someone different uh, with that pick in the second round? I believe so. I mean, there, there's a lot of other holes here. But still drafting Jalen Hurts, you know what? I, I speak for myself. If I'm Carson Wentz, and 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 I again with that Type A personality, I want to fight for that job. That's not scaring me that they yeah. drafted this guy. So what? They just signed me. They just signed me what 140 million dollars. You know, why do I have to worry about that? You know, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to bust my tail. I'm going to work real hard. You know, but the thing is, and this again, this is this is Wentz and John. You know this, as a number of other people know this from watching the Eagles during the preseason. He barely. He, he, there was barely any dialogue between Wentz and, oh, yeah. and Hertz. There yeah. was, and, and, and I know, I also know this for a fact, not too much dialogue in the quarterback room either between the two of them. So that again, and I'm going to put it, I'm going to put that on, I'm going to put that on Wentz, you know? Um, so, so the, the organization drafted a quarterback in the second round who bleeping cares, you know, I got to turn around and I got to work and I got to focus on me and I got to focus on what I can do because if I'm my best Carson Wentz, the Eagles are a better team because of it. And uh, again, there was the fire there and the ship's starting to list and it's starting to sink. And Carson Wentz could not have run to the tail of that ship to jump ship fast enough. Um, where again, Jalen Hurts would not have done that. And and we see so far from Jalen Hurts so far in a year going into year two with him, he doesn't seem to be that type. You know, where's where, where, where are the leaks? You know, give me a pass so I can turn around. If I have to turn around and get a get a spoon yeah. to turn around yeah. and, and get, the, get the water off the ship, I'm going to do whatever I can to turn around and make this a better situation. Uh, I don't right. blame Jalen Hurts at all for anything. Uh, and actually, how crazy this may sound of the drafting of Jalen Hurts by the Eagles, I don't blame them either. You know, you're looking at a situation where you have a, 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 a an injury-prone quarterback. What we want to do, and we don't want a situation where McCown comes in, in a playoff game you know, we don't want that situation again. We want a better chance to win. And I see and understand why the Eagles drafted Hurts in the second round last year. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. All right, Joe, let's advance the narrative to this year and the Eagles quarterback room. As of right now, it's Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. When the Eagles traded down from 6 to 12, yeah. made it pretty obvious that they were going to do what was reported and what as to what Jeff Laurie had said 
wanted to do everything to improve things around the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, rather than bring in competition for Jalen Hurts. They're not going to take quarterback with the 12th pick in the draft. They're not going to trade back up into a higher spot to take one of the top four or five quarterbacks in this draft. But they still are the quarterback factory. So they're going to have to take a quarterback at some round in this upcoming draft. What's an acceptable round? If second was too high for Carson Wentz, God forbid you take one in the second round. Where is the acceptable round for this year's next to-be-developed quarterback that the Eagles going to take? Is it day two, day three? Is it uh, Mr. Irrelevant if they trade into that spot? When and where are they going to add another quarterback to the room? I wouldn't – speculation, I, I – I could see them possibly looking at a fourth or fifth round pick, possibly a fifth round pick. They have so many different holes to fill right now. Uh, that's far more important than, than well, they, they, whoever their quarterback's going to be. I mean, right now it's Jalen Hurts, obviously. But moving forward, you know, uh, this is Jalen Hurts' his, his tryout year. Let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can produce for us. But this is going to be a year. First off, I think we all agree. The Eagles are not going to be very good next season. Uh, it's a bad division. But it's a division where the other three teams have gotten considerably better. Uh, it's a division where, um, you know, uh, you're dealing with a new head coach who's who's working on. They're not only dealing with new personnel that's coming in. They're dealing with a new system that this whole group's going to have to learn. So there's going to be a trial and error process in terms of the learning and what's going on there. Um, I, I could see them trying to fill as many positions as they can. Uh, with the first, uh, first, second, third, fourth. So I could see possibly a fifth round, maybe a fifth round, a sixth round selection chosen, you know, for a quarterback. Um, right now, I don't um, – I know quite a bit about Joe Flacco. <laughs> uh, I, I think Joe is a solid, sound backup. Uh, but Joe Flacco is not – he is not the mentor type. Joe Flacco is uh, – I will say this from what I know of Joe. Joe still thinks he can play. And, and yes. Joe can play a little bit. But the Super Bowl Joe – that is uh, that is gone. I don't know if uh, Super Bowl Joe will be resurfacing again anytime soon. But in Joe Flacco's mind, he's still Super Bowl Joe. Uh, that that hasn't changed a little bit there. Um, so we'll see where that that goes. Uh, I I don't think he'll be helping Jalen too much. Um, I I think uh, I think he may. I like to think he's going to talk to Jalen a little bit more than Carson Wentz spoke to him. Um, yeah, he'd have to. I, I I'd like to think so because now certainly the the uh, the eggs are in Jalen Hurts' basket. Um, but what I can see happening is the Eagles going um, with 17 game season. Uh, they can go six and 11 at, at best, six and 11, uh, five and 12. Uh, I could see five and 12. Uh, this is not going to be a very good football team. There's too many holes to fill. Uh, again, learning, learning a new system with a new coach. Uh, so I think there's going to be some, there's a lot of things there that are go- that, that, that still need to be done. Again, new personnel, new system, a lot of things that, that need to be learned and, and absorbed through time. And what they may do, considering now what uh, Howie Roseman uh, maneuvered here in terms of getting three picks next year, if Hertz is not close to what they want or what they think he's going to be, that's when they pull the trigger next year. And, they, and the rebuild's already begun. Regardless of how they want to word it, this is a rebuild. This is a team that three years down the line not next season, not certainly not 2021. 2022, you make a little stride. 2023, hey, let's look at the possibility of a, a playoff possibility. Uh, I know it's the NFL. You blink. Hey, uh, the, the Washington went from first uh, last to first. 
but uh, you're, you're dealing with um, a new head coach there, uh, a defensive line there in Washington that's, that's incredibly formidable, one of the best in the league. I don't think you could turn around and say the Eagles have the best of anything right now. I mean, it's, it's a team that they're, they're, they're a mess. They're a mess. <laughs> they're a bit of a mess in the front <laughs> office. They're going to be a mess on the field. And let's see what um, Nick Sirianni could do to, to, to right this mess. All right, Joe, you mentioned uh, the quarterback position, the draft dropping down. They're not going to take a quarterback. We all know that. Is that an overcorrection, though? In other words, you're coming off this season of angst at that particular position. You know Howie Roseman's history. He says, when you're up this high in the draft, you go back to 2016 with Wentz, you have to take advantage of it at that position. And you mentioned the three first-round picks, the potential three first-round picks. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can kick the can down the road. In theory, you're in position to do anything at the quarterback position, whether it's draft a Spencer Rattler, trade for Russell Wilson, whatever. Mm -hmm. But if, if you believe there is a quarterback, Justin Fields, who has a chance to be a superstar, mm -hmm. aren't you doing yourself a disservice by saying, we have to give Jalen Hurts a year. No offense to Jalen Hurts, but as you mentioned, the skill set is not the same. Yeah. This is a second round pick for a reason. Mm -hmm. Are the Eagles overcorrecting at the quarterback position to avoid controversy? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I um, uh, right now, um, I suppose the most uh, delicate way to put this is a, a popular uh, word in the city that was certainly used with another franchise. They're politely tanking. <laughs> we can't win anything this year. Let's see what we can get out of Jalen. Let's see how things go. They know it. We know it. They're not, I mean, again, um, what's the over under? I think it's six and a half. And, yeah. and certainly if anybody's out there, take the under, take it. <laughs> um, uh they don't want to mess what they have in Jalen. And again, I don't think Jalen, Jalen does not have the, uh, the uh, mental fragility that we found out that Carson Wentz uh, had. I'd like to think again, Carson's making strides in correcting that, but um, this guy's going to fight um, whether or not he could fight all he wants, whether or not he actually has the skill set to succeed. That is what remains out there. That's, that's the question that's out there. Um, uh, I don't think Justin Fields is certainly not going to drop to 12. Matter of fact, I'm not really a Justin Fields believer. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I. Well, not so, 12, but if you were at six, there was at least. There's a chance. Not, there's a shot. There's a shot at six. There's a shot yeah. at six. But still, um, I think Howie, again, I think the move also basically says what, what I'm, I've been saying all, all along. And I actually said months ago uh, that they would they would trade down. To get to get more picks to start to fortify whoever eventually is the quarterback of this team, whether it's Jalen Hurts or whether it's a 2023 or 2022 uh, draft pick, um, we're going to parachute someone in. Let's see if at least we have the pieces that we can start turning around and turning this thing around to win. Uh, does anybody believe in Andre Dillard? No. Uh, you have Jason Kelsey, who's going year by year, and God bless him. I I, I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. He's certainly an Eagles Hall of Famer. Um, for as much as I want to believe in Brandon Brooks, I, his 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 character, his diligence, uh, but I think Brandon's Brandon, you know, with the back to back Achilles injuries, is kind of near the end. Uh, I believe uh, Lane Johnson, 
Lane Johnson is is right now at this stage an eight to ten game a season player. Uh, we see too many breakdowns with him. Isaac Salamalo has proven to be sound at uh, at at left tackle or left guard rather. Um, so that's the situation Eagles are looking at, and the most important spot on the field, offensive line, defensive line. They're still very very good. Um, but there's too many holes to fill in the defensive secondary. You have no playmakers beyond the front, you know, beyond the defensive front of the Eagles. Uh, Miles Sanders. We still don't know what Miles Sanders can do. We've seen glimpses of it. Uh, I do believe in Miles Sanders. I, I believe he can be a good NFL running back. He needs some help, though. Um, and there, and who wide receiver? Who do you have? Really, no one. You know, you have a very good tight end. Zach, Her- Zach Hurts is Zach Hurts is out of here. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I could see them going Waddle uh, if he if he drops down that low, or, or uh, Devonta Smith uh, if, if he drops that low. Uh, and if those guys are there, you take them. But these are just building blocks here, and the Eagles need a hell of a lot of building blocks to be competitive again. Uh, so let's see what you know. Uh, let's see what Hurts can do with this team. But again, the most important thing is by trading back and trading down. What the Eagles have basically tacitly admitted is we need help in a lot of places. Uh, and let's see what we can build. And then we land, you know, let's see what Hurts can do. Let's give him a chance. But this is his tryout year. If it doesn't work, at least we're going to fortify everything around the quarterback position and then parachute someone in. And let's see what they could do with what they have around them. All right, Joe, last thing. Um, by the way, uh, expected text from me every year to Jalen uh, that uh, Mr. Fields makes the Pro Bowl. And I think <laughs> I'll be sending you several texts. You and I disagree there. I think he's got a chance to be a star quarterback in the league. Okay. But that will play out over time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Ertz is gone, except that he isn't. Yeah. And we've been waiting for a trade to come down. We've got 20 some odd days before the draft. You would think that Mm -hmm. uh, they will try and work something out between now and the draft. So if they get a pick for him, they can use it right away this year rather than wait till after the draft. And then any pick they get wouldn't be till the year thereafter. When is the divorce coming? And will it be for a draft pick in 2021, 2022, or no, they're not going to get a draft pick. And when push comes to shove, they're actually going to have to release uh, Zach Ertz, which is the most possible uh, scenario for this relationship to end on. I think the Eagles owe Zach Ertz. um, I think they owe him to let him go. I'm doing the righteous thing, doing the thing that plays out and and the thing that Zach Ertz deserves. I mean, this guy's a Super Bowl hero. This guy's this guy will forever be remembered in the city, and not just with. Well, Zach's then why country. haven't they done that yet? If that's what because it's Howie right Roseman, because we know it's Howie Roseman, and he's waiting for that cup of cup of gold at the end of the rainbow, and it's simply not going to happen unless Howie lowers lowers his price for what they think they can get for for Ertz. That's that's what this that's what the holdup is, and that's all the holdup is right now. They are not going to get their asking price for Zach Ertz, and so they, they, they may the never day that, the day that they yeah. cut him. Does Howie Rosen go, okay, I admit I was wrong. I thought he was actually worth something. That's my bad. I stiffed uh, Zach Ertz by holding on to him for months, foolishly thinking I was going to get a pick for him when I ended up with nothing. Howie ever do anything like that? Does he actually admit that he's ever wrong? Guys, Howie threw out the the money ball reference when it came to Zach Ertz and said – when I asked him about Zach Ertz, he said, sometimes you got to play the bad cop. He's playing the bad cop with Zach Ertz. He's yeah. trying to get as much as humanly possible. Joe's right. 
think back to the Seattle playoff game, what that guy played through for this organization, lacerated kidney, broken ribs, not a doctor on the planet said he should have played. He fought through it, and he is upset at this organization that they didn't show the same respect in return. That's where they are with Zach Ertz. And, John, here's something, John and Jody. Here's something else that I know for a fact is the stuff he does off the field is incredible. Uh, oh, that was unbelievable. An, yeah, there was an event he held this past season for these these kids, these group of kids, and I'm over there, and I, I would have I loved to have done something like it. Nah, no, nah, leave it alone. Don't you know, Joe? It's cool. It's, don't do anything. So he didn't need the TV cameras there. He didn't need knucklehead reporters making me jotting stuff down and writing about all the wonderful things that he does, and his family, and his mother, and his wife. The wonderful things he does off the field. This guy is a true class act who yeah. deserves better, far better than the way he's being treated by the Philadelphia Eagles right now. We'll see how it shakes out. Joe, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board with us. Thanks for being our first ever guest. My God, I'm very honored, guys. I'm very honored. <laughs> Thank right, you. Well, stay Thank honored you. because we're going to keep calling and we're going to punch you. you up from time to time as we go forward. Thanks for jumping on with us today, bud. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Joe Santa Liquido joining us here on Birds 365. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll come back, start hour number two. We've got another guest coming your way, another McMullen associate, Ed Kratz. Some is going to hop aboard with us. If you want to get your thoughts in, put them on the comment section on the stream. If we get some good comments, we might reference them during the show. Uh, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, we appreciate you tuning in here on Birds 365. Sprinkler Fitters Local 692 represents a storied history and heritage of steam fitters, plumbers, and gas fitters dating back to the late 1800s and continues today to thrive into the 21st century. Local 692 is a highly trained group of skilled individuals. Local 692 represents the Philadelphia building trains and provides excellence completing the job on time under budget. Local 692, a proud member of the Philadelphia Union community, Wayne Miller, business manager. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The, the middle. The middle. <laughs> we need a little maze. Wait, wait, yeah. what was the commercial? Yeah, Harry goes, I don't need a little anything. You'd have little Harry or little maze. Little maze. And, and you pull a <laughs> string and it yeah. says, I am out. Or sort of like four or five different maze sayings. Now that's an idea. Did you see a Shander doll? It oh, never yeah. stops talking. No, oh, you don't even God. need to pull the string. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Maze. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-O! Jody Mack. 
the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. It is Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media Network, phillyvoice.com. Johnny Mac with John McMullen. Uh, first hour under our belts, and we're still on. They haven't taken us off the air, Johnny Mac. Well, we made it through the first hour. We're going to get an hour number two done. That's pretty impressive. Hey, small steps, Jody. Exactly. First hour gets to the second hour. We keep going. Again, 365. So we got a ways to go. Big steps with uh, Jose Antolaquito. We appreciate him coming on board. Did a uh, great job at unearthing some issues with the Eagles two years ago. And, man, did they explode this year with Carson Wentz now an ex-Eagle. Jalen Hurts in as the new starting quarterback. And I just like the sound of Hurts to Hurts. And I know full well it's not going to happen. It only happened infrequently in a couple of games at the end of the season when uh, Jalen Hurts took over as the new starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think it's funny that both you and Joe think, oh, Howie Rosen's going to do the right thing. He's going to eventually. <laughs> I, did, I don't think that. In fact, I mentioned Howie told me when I asked about Zach Hurts, you know, and he brought up. Billy Bean, he brought up Moneyball, Brad Pitt. It was hilarious. He was like, sometimes you got to play the bad guy. And that's what he kind of said with Zach Ertz. He has tremendous respect for him as a player, yada, yada, yada. Um, and he's not just going to give him away. And, you know, we're already at the point where we know that. I mean, I think a lot of people assume by this point, the Eagles would have said, okay, we're just going to release him. But it seems like Howie's taken this to the end, uh, and he's not going to give Zach Ertz away. One of the ways you can try to get value, Jody, is to package him in the draft. So say you need a player, and you've got to go up third-round pick and say, well, we'll throw Zach Ertz to the Indianapolis Colts or the, the L.A. Chargers or – the Ravens, the Seahawks, some teams that have been interested um, to move up maybe a significant 20, 25 spots. If you see a player, target a player, go get a player. That could be one way Howie Roseman generates the value he wants to generate for Zach Ertz. Here's the issue with that. And uh, Zach Ertz's salary for this year, Zach Ertz is still on the contract. And yes. if a team were to trade for Zach Ertz, they would have to honor his contract. You're yes. not going to trade for a guy yes. and then cut him and say, yeah, but we traded for you. So let's have a nice conversation about what we can re-sign you at for a lesser figure. It doesn't work that way. So the team has to have the salary cap room and the tight end room for Zach Ertz at his number. What happens if no team is willing to give up anything? Not... 25 slots in the draft, not a seventh round pick, not a conditional seventh round pick. Here's what we'll offer you, Eagles. Nothing. Because we can't afford Zach Ertz at the salary he's at. We don't think he can play up to the level salary that he's supposed to get paid this year. 
We're not going to give anything. Zach Ertz, it's the open market. You decide to release Zach Ertz. Yeah, we'll probably have a conversation with the guy and we'll see how inexpensively we can get him. But we're not going to just take on Zach Ertz and his salary and, oh, by the way, give you something for it, Philadelphia. If it comes to that and Howie Roseman has to release him, because it sounds to me like you, Joe, and most others believe that there's no way, there is no going back. The bridges are too burnt to ever think about bringing Zach Ertz back to this team and asking him to go in and compete with his teammates. If he must go at some point, how does that work out? Does Howie Roseman still play bad cops? Does he admit that, yeah, I thought I could get something, but I could get nothing. No team would give me anything yeah. for Zach Ertz. Well, that's uh, pretty bad cop stuff, too. Now, yeah, I mean, it's always possible, but the number's not that bad, Jody. It's eight and a half million. So for Zach Ertz, which for his production, granted, he's coming off career worst season. You do look at certain teams, Indianapolis would be the most notable that has the cap space in place to do something like that. Even teams that don't have the cap space, we know they can create it easily by turning that into a signing bonus, doing an extension. Essentially what the Eagles have done, spreading things out with voidable years. So all of that stuff is easy to do for a potential organization that wants to acquire Zach Ertz. There has been interest, just not to the Eagles level of like, you know, probably a conditional late round pick. At some point, yeah, maybe they'll have to accept that. But how he's going to take this down as long as he can, it's pretty evident. See, and I believe you're an NFL reporter. You've got sources. People tell you uh, what they've heard in other towns and the like. I know the numbers per what tight ends are going for on the open market is not outrageous. It's eight and change. There are tight ends that are making more than that. He was not the highest paid tight end in the National Football League. But it's not in comparison to the other tight ends for me. If I'm a general manager of another team and would like to be able to add Zach Ertz's talents and skills, and I think that there were reasons for his drop-off year this year, that I think I could get him and get better than that. I'm going to say I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to pull off a deal. I don't know that there is a team that's going to be willing to take Zach Ertz in comparison to, well, I'd rather negotiate with Zach Ertz. And I'd rather put together the contract I want to put together. And I want to get Zach Ertz for less year in this upcoming year. We'll do a multi-year deal. We'll spread out a signing bonus over a period of time. I'll take a small cap hit down the road. But I'd rather wait till the Eagles release Zach Ertz and then sign him to my type of contract rather than give up something conditional as it may be to get him and then have to play pay him at the number the Eagles are at. I think that's the biggest article. hurdle. I think most teams are believing that the Eagles will eventually have to cut Zach Ertz. Well, I, I, I think part of that is baked into the whole thing, Jody, because somebody who's going to acquire him is going to want to extend him in theory anyway. So you're, you start talking about an extension, what I said about, you know, it's easy to turn it into a signing bonus, make some voidable years and, spread it out for a lesser cap hit if you want to go in that direction. To me, though, bottom line, if you can guarantee me 85 catches from Zach Hurts, I'll give him 8.5 8, 8. million. Easy. 
The yeah, question is, can, can you guarantee eighty-five? Well, that's catches the thing. Zach Ertz is upcoming you know, year. That's that's a little optimistic in my eyes. Well, I will say the previous, I think, five years, uh, the worst Zach ever put together was seventy-four. Um, and the, the highest was obviously the NFL record, which I think was 116. Um, a lot of production. So everything in the NFL comes down to evaluation. Do you think he's that same player? Because if he's that same player, he's worth – that's a bargain, $8.5 million. That's a bargain. Yeah, I, I don't think you can – speculate on that coming off the season he had last year. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. It's not going to be the NFL record for most catches ever right no. tight end. In a season, it's not going to be as bad as it was last year. Well, which number is he actually closer to? If he's closer to the, the better number, the record-setting number, well, then you're right. 8.5 is a uh, bargain. But if he's closer to what he did last year, 8.5 is a pretty big overpayment. Um, I, I'm not sure that Howie Roseman is going to be able to get anything for Zach Ertz. I hope he does. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they've given Zach Ertz's agent the ability to go talk to other teams if they want to try and do a deal and do a restructure and extension of his contract. That permission has already been granted. Have you heard anything along those lines of teams well, that actually made progress in those conferences? Yeah, there's been a lot of interest in Zach Ertz. That's what I said. And 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 Steve Carrick is his agent. And uh, I, I mentioned some of the teams. You go back to the, the trade deadline last year when Zach's injury kind of derailed a potential trade. Uh, Green Bay was involved. Uh, Baltimore was involved. I've mentioned Indianapolis, the Chargers, the Seahawks. A lot of teams have expressed interest in Zach Ertz, but everybody's offering that low ball, late round conditional pick, understanding what situation uh, the Eagles are in and, and the realization that they're going to have to move on at some point. And you always have this game of chicken. How long can Howie play it? Ultimately, you got to bail from the car. I don't think there's any question about that, Jody. The question is, can he hold on long enough to get, as I mentioned, I, I, I gave you the draft scenario. I think that's the best case scenario, packaging him with a pick to go up in the draft. I think then how he can save base and say, we got some value for Zach Ertz to go, to go up 20, 25 spots in the draft. But that's just another guy that they'll add to the mix of the pressure will be on as a Howie Roseman draft pick and a guy that was attached to a trade of Zach Ertz. Yeah, whoever yeah. that fourth round pick is going to be because they'll move up from a fifth to a fourth. Oh, no, wait, they already did that with the trade for the draft pick from Miami. But so now they can move up from the fourth up in the fourth. That's what I did my mock draft. So I went way up in the fourth round by attaching Zach Ertz uh, and, and trying to get a, a, a long, lengthy cornerback. And, you know, it's just an example of what you could do to try to generate the value that Howie Roseman uh, wants to generate. And, and it is about saving face. Because this was, you know, Jody, this guy, if, if Zach Ertz had a normal Zach Ertz year, he would already be the all-time leading receiver in Eagles history. He would have passed Harold Carmichael. Now he's never going to pass that record. So the what he's done for this organization, uh, you know, we're talking ring of honor. We're, we're not talking Hall of Fame player, but we're talking Eagles Hall of Fame player. 
Well, that's just going to be another situation of how the relationship with the organization ends and how it will go forward if the time comes and I'm with you 100%. He should be a potential ring of honor candidate. How much bygones can be bygones going forward? You mentioned the draft and your mock draft. You've got your latest mock draft up on SI.com. Yeah, SI.com, Eagles Maven. So you can check that out. Ed Kratz also has his up and uh, Ed's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes and we'll, we'll try to get, obviously, as I mentioned, it's April. We got to start diving pretty deeply in this draft and not just the first round. Everybody, you know, Jody, every, everybody obviously is focused on the first round because the Eagles move back. What is how we thinking? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, Joe Santaliquito mentioned there's a lot of holes on this team. Yeah. I mean, that's second pick at 37 overall. In a lot of ways, to me, is even more important because you have to get a contributor and a and a starter right away at 37. Forget about 12. You know you have to hit at 12. You also have to hit at 37. You have to add multiple bodies on this team, both sides of the football. You could throw a dart at a dartboard, Jody, and you're going to hit a need on this team. And the Eagles have enough draft picks. They've certainly got quantity. Now can they turn it into quality? Hasn't always been a strength of Harry Roseman's. As an Eagle organization in re reconstruction form, they're going to need Howie to be better at the draft than maybe he's ever been before in his tenure as general manager of the Eagles. Uh, Johnny Mac just mentioned Ed Kratz, compatriots of his at uh, sportsillustrated.com, is our next guest. He's going to join us. Coming up here on Eagles. 365. Sprinkler Fitters Local 692 represents a storied history and heritage of steam fitters, plumbers, and gas fitters dating back to the late 1800s and continues today to thrive into the 21st century. Local 692 is a highly trained group of skilled individuals. Local 692 represents the Philadelphia building trades and provides excellence completing the job on time under budget. Local 692, a proud member of the Philadelphia Union Philadelphia community. Union. Wayne Miller, business manager. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The, the middle. <laughs> we need a little maze. Wait, wait, yeah. what was the commercial? Yeah, Harry goes, I don't need a little anything. You'd have little Harry or little maze. Little maze. And, and you pull a <laughs> string maze. and it yeah. says, I am out. Or sort of like four or five different maze sayings. Now that's an idea. Did you see a Shander doll? It oh, never yeah. stops talking. No, you don't even God. need to pull the string. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Maze. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-O! Jody Mag. 
the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Day one of Birds 365 here on the Jacobs Media Network and phillyvoice.com. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and we assure you, it is a coincidence. You can't really tell today. Well, you probably can. <laughs> Underneath my Kangol hat, yours truly is very follically challenged. You can definitely tell that my co-host, John McMillan, is follically challenged. It is a coincidence that our first two guests, Joe Santa Liquido, last hour, and Ed Kratz of Sports Illustrated this hour... Also follically challenged. We did not do this on purpose. It just happened to work out that way. We promise you at some point here on Birds 365, we're going to get a guest who has hair. But that is not the case here. Ed Kratz of Sports Illustrated joins us here on Birds 365. How are you, Ed? Hey, I am great. Do I have to change my name to Matt Kratz, too? (laughs) (laughs) We will not hold you to that standard. Uh, I was just discussing with John before we punched you up about... The upcoming draft, uh, John's got his mock draft. You've got yours as well. With as many picks as the birds had, they de-emphasized their draft a little by dropping back from 6 to 12. And I get your thoughts on just that move itself. But first things first, overall, the picks that the Eagles have in this upcoming draft, how well are they situated to improve the talent on this roster? Well, 11 picks, you know, they better get, you know, at least half of these things right. Um, they're going to need three starters, in my opinion, to come out of this this group of 11. And, and, you know, to be honest, guys, my head really hurt after trying to do this mock draft. 11 picks is a lot of picks, man. And, like, toward the end, my head was starting to hurt. I felt like it was going to explode trying to find names to fit, uh, you know, in, on that third day because I think they have six picks on that third day. Um, you know, but it's really important in the first and second and third rounds to find guys that can come in right away and contribute. This isn't a draft class where they can go find a Dallas Goddard to sit behind Zach Ertz or an Andre Dillard to sit behind uh, Jason Peters. They need to come out with a starter day one at minimum. Well, Ed, let's start obviously day one of the draft and the Eagles fall back from six to 12, a clear indication uh, quarterback is not going to be on the table. But I also mentioned uh, with Jody before you popped on, number 37 in day two, that's pretty important as well. I I think they got a hit right away uh, at the top of this draft, and and it starts with sort of a yin and yang. If you go defense at number 12, you almost have to go offense at number 37 or vice versa. How, How do you see that shaking out those first two picks? I would agree with you. I think you go either, like you said, offense with number 12 and then defense. Yeah, they need a cornerback. Uh, clearly, they need someone to plug in opposite Darius Slay. So uh, do you go first round with one of those? I haven't taken J.C. Horn, the fabulous cornerback from South Carolina, with that pick at number 12. Um, you know, I think, you know, when Jody talks about them trading down from 6 to 12, I – I think that puts them in the position to take one of the best defenders in this class. And you have to identify who that is, because this could be a, uh, you know, kind of an unprecedented draft where you're going to have 
possibly eight offensive players taken with those first eight picks, which, you know, I think back in 1991, there were six defensive players taking uh, with those first six picks. And we haven't seen any draft since where one side of the ball has dominated uh, with those first eight, nine, ten picks in a draft. But I think you could see it. So, you know, if you have eight offensive players coming off the board first, that's going to put the Eagles in position to grab at least one of the top four defensive players. And you could say, look, they could take Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle at 12, and then you come back in the second round and you, you find your cornerback. Um, you know, but I know I have them taking uh, – J.C. Horn in the first round. In the second round, I have him taken a, an offensive player, but not a wide receiver. I have him taken a running back, Javante Williams, uh, from the University of North Carolina. But I think that's uh, – John, I think you're right. That's kind of how they're, they're looking at this is you have to go defense, offense, or offense, defense, first two picks. For both of you guys, if uh, it's even more slanted than Ed mentioned, he thinks it's going to be the first eight. I actually think it could be the first nine. I think it could be five quarterbacks, both wide receivers – Panay Sewell, uh, and uh, the tight end, Pitts. Yeah. That's nine deep, which means the first defensive player might not be picked till 10. So the Eagles might have darn close to the pick of the lot if Micah Parsons gets down to 12. He has been mocked for however many months uh, from the time he decided to opt out of the season. Top five pick, top seven pick, top eight pick. If he's sitting there at 12, we know the Eagles' history. They're just not – they might be a quarterback factory. They've never been a linebacker factory. They do not uh, pay high grade for a linebacker. They've developed some linebackers over the years, but they just don't use first-round picks on them. They haven't for decades. But Parsons is a special talent. I know there are some character questions about him, but I can't believe there's going to be another player that you just on skill set that you would evaluate over Michael Parsons. New coaching staff kind of a new regime here in Philadelphia. Is there a chance that if Parsons comes all the way down to 12, the Eagles will say, uh, yeah, we know it's been since Jerry Robinson, which since we drafted a quarterback uh, uh, linebacker right. in the first round. It's Let's only 1979, Jody. Only 1979. Kind of been a while. Uh, any chance they take uh, Michael Parsons with their first round pick? Yeah, I, I think we all had hair back in 1979. <laughs> uh, so that's how long it's been. But uh, listen, I, I think that would be a terrific pick. I And you hope that, you know, maybe this new staff with Jonathan Gannon as the defensive coordinator coming from Indianapolis where you had a, you know, a tone-setting linebacker in Darius Leonard and, you know, someone that can play off the ball like Micah Parsons can and you can blitz – uh, you know, off of the edge with him because he's quick enough to get through traffic and get to the quarterback. He can cover tight ends. He can run boundary to boundary. I mean, he's a fabulous talent and, uh, you know, clearly one of the top five defensive players in this draft. But, you know, will they will this be a new day for the Eagles? I, You know, I, I would say no at this point. I don't think they go linebacker. You know, you look at their, uh, you know, their DNA, as John likes to call it, the default setting to the DNA. John has them taking an offensive tackle uh, with that first pick, Elijah Vera Tucker, based on the philosophy that they've had here since Andy Reid came to town back in 1999. Um, so could they go offensive line? I, I would I don't think so. But could they go defensive line? It's not a great draft for defensive linemen. Um, you know, I love Christian Barmore from the University of Alabama. Um, but I don't think they'll take him there. Uh, I, I would love to see him take Parsons. I think that guy's got everything you need in a defensive player 
Uh, but you have to feel comfortable, again, taking a, a position like that for Philadelphia. And then, like you mentioned, Jody, the red, uh, the red flag on the character issues, you have to make sure you're 100% comfortable uh, that those are behind him and he's fully focused uh, on being the best player he can be. Yeah, Ed, my, my concern with Parsons, and by the way, you can read Ed's mock draft and mine at si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Um, my concern with Parsons, you mentioned Jonathan Gannon, his history, Darius Leonard in Indianapolis, great three-down linebacker. Even if you go back to when Gannon was with Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, they had Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, great three-down linebackers. I, I look at Parsons and I see an edge rusher. I don't see that well-rounded three-down coverage linebacker. And I think that's what the new Eagles regime will be looking for at that position. But, yeah, I bring up that DNA all the time. And the top half of this draft at, since 1999, that's a generation, Ed. That's a generation. Anytime the Eagles have picked 16 or above, it's been quarterback, defensive line, offensive line. Is there any way that changes at the end of the day? I think you hit the nail on the head. If the Eagles do anything different, it's going to be a corner, and it's going to be the J.C. Horn-type player. Patrick Sertain, Caleb Farley, would they be in the mix as well? Well, they, they could be. I just throw Horn out there because I know Denard Wilson, the new DB coach, went to South Carolina's Pro Day, and he was one of the five coaches that were putting uh, the uh, South Carolina players through their drills. And you know he fell in love with J.C. Horn. I'm, I'm quite certain he did, and he's going to come back, and he'll probably bang the table to take him. Uh, and we'll see if Howie and, and you know his staff listen. Uh, so that's why I put Horn in there. But listen, Patrick Sertain, fantastic talent as well. You know, he – you know, he, both these guys have had fathers that are legacies in the NFL. Both of their fathers played years and years. Joe Horn was a terrific wide receiver. And, of course, uh, Patrick Sertain, the first, was a great defensive back uh, for mostly for the Miami Dolphins. So they, I like guys like that that have that gene pool that can come in that were raised in an NFL family. We're hoping that we see the jump in Jalen Rager, who was also raised in the NFL family with Monte Rager being his father who won a Super Bowl with the Colts. You hope that, you know, Jalen can become the kind of receiver they envisioned uh, when they took him over Justin Jefferson last year. And I think he, I think he will. I think Sirianni will, will find a way to get success from Jalen Rager, but I love guys that have the, you know, that family legacy of playing in the NFL, but yeah, I, you know, Farley, the red, the red flag is the back injury. You know, he had the uh, fusion surgery, not the fusion, a micro uh, which my son had, and, you know, he has good days and bad days with it, even now with his core. Uh, so, I mean, that's a pretty, you know, serious injury to look at. The backs are, you know, are very finicky. You know, you know what you're going to get once you get back surgery. And that, to me, with Caleb Farley would be a big red flag that your medical staff would have to take a good, hard look at. And I'm sure this week when the, when the prospects go to Indianapolis for the uh, medical checks, they didn't have the combine there, but they're going to have medical checks. You hope that Caleb Farley will be there and some of the Eagle personnel will be there. And they're making sure they're putting him through his paces so they're comfortable with him should Sertain and or Horn both be off the board at number thir uh, 12. And that's the direction you want to go. Let me tie a couple of things in here together with my next question, which I'm going to put to both of you guys, knowing full well there's no track record to go by. So it's kind of a speculative question more than anything else. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Rager. Uh, 
I thought it was almost comical that after the fact, in season, we heard from Harry Roseman how influential the coaches were in the Rager selection, that their scouts really liked <laughs> Justin Jefferson better. But the coaches fit for our system. We just decided that Jalen Rager might be a better fit, basically putting it off on the coaches, which I thought was very weak. Uh, we've got a new coaching staff now. Without much NFL experience, some have been in draft rooms before because they've been on staffs, but not in as prominent positions as they are now with the Eagles. Is Howie going to do this again? If they make a mistake in the draft like they did last year, and I'm with you, I still think Rager has got room for improvement. I think he'd become a fine NFL wide receiver. I don't think he's ever going to be Jefferson, and it's going to be a comparison that the Eagles are going to have to live with forever. But I think there is upside yet still to Rager. Are we going to have to hear this again 9, 10, 11 months down the road that, well, the scouts were leaning on, but the coaches thought this guy was a fit. How much say are the coaches going to have in this year's draft, in their first ever year in the Eagles draft room? Well, you know, I <laughs> Howie's in survival mode, isn't he? I mean, he, you know, he wants to hang on to his job for as long as he can here, uh, and he's done a good job of it, to be honest. Uh, so, listen, if he thinks it's, he can save his job by blaming the coaches because that's what they wanted, or the scouts, then you know, he'll he'll probably <laughs> probably do that. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I it's hard to say how much input the staff has. Um, you know, we haven't really been, we haven't had any availability with Gannon or Steichen, the offensive coordinator yet. So we don't really know what kind of system they're going to have and, you know, what type of players they they've uh, kind of mandated they go get. But it was interesting when Sirianni talked to us, I think uh, the first time he said that he thinks that Howie's in charge of the personnel when he was asked about that. He said, I, I think it's Howie is in charge. I think, I, I think. so, you know, maybe that kind of opens a, the window a crack. Uh, that this new staff is going to have some sort of input, whatever that is, uh, in, in telling Howie and his staff, hey, this is the kind of people we envision playing in our system. And, you know, here's the list. And now it's your job to figure out how to order that list and when you want to take them and where you want to take them in the draft. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right, Ed, in the fact that that's a GM's job. But Howie has been around for a long time, and the fact that you have to be a bit of a politician. So, Jody, to your question, yeah, you got to throw the right person under the bus at the right time <laughs> if you want to keep going in this league. But it was interesting because I had heard uh, Rich Scangarello, of all people, was one of the coaches pounding the table. Uh, for Jalen Rager. And obviously he had just gotten here. So if that's the case, well, in theory, uh, Howie might listen and Andy Weidel, you have to throw him in as well, uh, might listen to the new coaching staff. And by the way, they should, because you have to get players that are going to succeed in the schemes that your coaches want to run. That said, Ed, if you look, we have to read the tea leaves. So we look at Shane Steichen with the Chargers. We look at Nick Sirianni with the Colts. We look at Gannon uh, with the Colts and the Vikings and, and try to look at their schemes and, and see what they're going to do. How much difference do you see between what they want to do, what Doug Peterson wanted to do, and is it going to impact the draft in a drastic fashion? I don't think it can, to be honest. This team just has that talent. 
Yeah, that that's that's true. And it goes back to what Jody mentioned, you know, at the start here was they have 11 picks, you know, they need to find people, they need to find talent, you know, regardless of scheme. But, you know, I think we'll see a change in the in the defensive philosophy from what we saw with Jim Schwartz. I mean, that defensive line was kind of the engine uh, that drove this. Now you bring in a defensive coordinator in in uh, in Jonathan Gannon. Uh, whose background is in the secondary in developing defensive backs. He plays more of a cover two type of scheme, I believe. Uh, you know, the two safeties back, which gives help to your cornerbacks. You're not playing that single high, uh, kind of leaving your cornerbacks, uh, you know, one-on-one a lot of the times without much help over the back, like we saw with Jim Schwartz. So, yeah, I think in that regard, we could see, you know, them trying to find players that fit that sort of scheme. But again, we don't know. You're right. We have to kind of go and look at their history and the resumes, but you know, we're not sure exactly what kind of system they're going to put in place. Cause Nick Sirianni has been consistent that you don't marry yourself to one scheme. You have to adjust your scheme to what you have on hand. So get talent in here. Let's collect as much talent as we can with these 11 picks uh, with an eye toward 2022. And we have at minimum four picks in the first two rounds, possibly three picks in the first round, but let's just get talent in here. Let's see what we have. Let's see what they can do. And then we'll put our scheme in place once we figure out what we have on hand. And you mentioned the gluttony of picks that the Eagles have this year into next year with a goodly number of high picks next year. Um, It's more than what they need. As many holes as we may think the Eagles have, they have bodies. And when you're talking about sixth and seventh round picks, you're talking about taking shots, lottery tickets, and the like. So you don't need, and they've got a lot of sixth round picks because of compensatory picks. You don't need all those guys. Do we trust Howie Roseman to be Monty Hall? To play, let's make a deal. To make the key move up in the round when he's got a guy to target. They've made one big deal already, trading back from six down to 12. I think in comparison to what the Dolphins got from trading back three to 12 and then moving back up, I thought the Dolphins got a much better deal than the Eagles got for trading back. Do we think that Howie Roseman can be the guy to take the assets that he has and add value to them? monetize them better than the other teams in the league have. How much faith do we have that how we can pull that off? Well, you know, they have 11 picks. Do I think they're going to take 11 players? I would be very surprised, to be honest. I think you're going to see kind of a Monty Hall on steroids, if you will. I think this guy's going to be, you know, wheeling and dealing and hope you make the right. It's going to be very hard to follow, I think, on draft day because he's going to be moving in and out of different rounds. And um, listen, he could even move this 12th pick. I mean, he could go backwards, even maybe with the Patriots at 15 or uh, even a little further and try to maybe get like this uh, Notre Dame linebacker, uh, Jeremiah Wusu uh, Kuromoa, uh, who had a great answer when we talked to him after his pro day about what it's like to play in Philadelphia. And I, I you know, I put that video on my, on my Twitter account and it got like 28,000 views. So, um, you know, people fell in love with the kid just from that answer, but I could see how he moving, uh, maybe even back into the top 10, if the Broncos are sitting there at nine or the Broncos move up. I mean, I think everything's going to be in play here. And I think, can we trust him, Jody? I look, I, I don't know. I, it, it's hard to put a lot of trust in Howie at this point in time, based on, you know, what he's done in these past few drafts. You mentioned Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager, and, you know, he didn't take DK Metcalf a lot of, Teams did not take DK Metcalf, but it, it's sure. hard to put trust in him. But this is who is going to be pulling the trigger, and I think he's going to pull it a lot. 
Well, Ed, first of all, I, I got to give you credit for getting JOK's name out. That's very mm -hmm. impressive. That's like me throwing out the Halapula Bati Baitai to show off to people. But well <laughs> done for JOK, who's a heck of a linebacker for Notre Dame. And by the way, he's the type of three-down linebacker the Eagles need. That's a guy who can play all over the place, almost in a Malcolm Jenkins-like role where he plays so many different positions on the back end. That's the type of linebacker the Eagles, I think, will want under Jonathan Gannon rather than uh, Micah Parsons. But number 12 might be a little bit too early. I, I do want to get in the quarterbacks, though. I have to shift. Obviously, everybody loves the quarterback. So the Eagles have made it clear they're not going to take one at number six. This is a quarterback factor. We have Jalen Hurts. We have Joe Flacco. Still need another guy. Where do the Eagles start looking for that third developmental type quarterback? Day three, uh, at minimum. I think they'll draft one on day three. What round? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, and I think they'll probably sign one as an undrafted free agent. I think they'll bring in uh, two. One they'll draft and one they'll sign post draft. Um, I know you had them taking Sam Ellinger from Texas in your mock draft. I had them taking Ian Book from Notre Dame, who, uh, again, gave a great answer. I asked him on his, after his pro day, you know, uh, about Joe Flacco coming in to play with a veteran and kind of an up-and-comer in Jalen Hurts, and he gave a great answer to that. So I kind of fell in love with that answer and had them take an Ian Book. But I've learned over this weekend that the Eagles have had multiple conversations with K.J. Costello uh, at Mississippi State. Um, KJ did not talk after any pro day, but I know somebody that knows KJ pretty well. Uh, and he's told this person that he's had multiple conversations with the Eagles. So he's somebody, he started in the Stanford system, which of course we know the Eagles, uh, like that program. They like what David Shaw does out there at Stanford. They took Casey Tuhill uh, last year. They took Zach Ertz, of course, in 2012. They've taken J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Nate Herbig is a Stanford kid. So, you know, J or K.J. Costello started his career at Stanford, transferred to Mississippi State last year, had one year in a COVID environment to get comfortable. He had this great game against LSU, 600-plus yards, throwing the ball, five touchdowns, I think, in that game, uh, but then kind of fell off the map from there. But he's somebody to keep an eye on, and I think he'll be uh, still sitting there uh, maybe in the fifth round. I'm not sure he gets to the sixth. I don't know. But uh, I think he could be somebody that the Eagles really uh, are targeting uh, on day three. No truth to the rumor that Ed has the Eagles drafting seven Notre Dame players out of the 11 <laughs> picks that they have in their upcoming draft. Um, last thing for me. Uh, they could, Ed, though. They got a lot of talent this year, Joe. They, they do. They actually they do. Don't know Liam Eikenberg, the offensive tackle, he could be in play at 37 for the Eagles. Okay, we shall see. Yeah, I got no problem drafting Notre Dame guys. I just uh, Ed noted two Notre Dame guys that he thought were kind of fits. That's why I felt I needed to bring it up. Um, Golden uh, putting, Domer. Putting the draft aside for a second. Uh, you have uh, phase one of NFL free agency. As soon as the first day comes, the big money comes out. Guys get picked off the board. It starts to slow. People start to call it phase two. We've got to be well by phase two now. We're in phase three, which is a phase right before the draft. There are still some guys out there who can be contributors, not starters anymore. Anyone who's good enough to start in a league or should be starting a league has probably already been picked off. But there are still free agents sitting out there that are going to come less expensively and picking up the right guys to fit roles and come off your bench and play special teams can be a major addition. 
How aggressive are the Eagles between now and the draft? A signee or two? Jody, don't expect anything when you got 11 picks. They're not going to give anybody else any kind of a guaranteed contract. And we're still getting some guaranteed money in the deals. If we're in, quote unquote, phase three of free agency, are the Eagles a player at all in it? Well, this is when Howie did some of his best work back in 2017 when he signed Chris Long and uh, Patrick Robinson a month after free agency began. And then at, yeah. Yeah, then about, you know, I think it was the end of April when they brought Long and, and uh, Robinson in. And then a couple of weeks after on May 18th, I think it was, they signed LeGarrette Blount. I mean, right. you don't sign those three guys. You don't have the Super Bowl. You know, the Lombardi trophies not sitting in Philadelphia. But um, so, yeah, Jody, I think there will be still players. I think, you know, yeah, you have 11 picks, but, you you know, Nick Sirianni's watchword has been competition. So uh, they're going to get somebody I think else in here and I think that if you look at a position cornerback has to be where they look and um, you know I think John wrote about this that <clears throat> Steven Nelson is still out there the cornerback from the Steelers uh, who is still available probably looking for more money than the Eagles are willing to st- spend but if the longer he sits you know maybe he comes into their price range and the Eagles can swoop in and there's a, uh, another guy from the Colts TJ Curry I think his name is uh, who could be available and Gary and Conley still out there. And look, I, I wrote about Rasul Douglas, you know, the former third round pick for the Eagles uh, who was cut after training camp. I think he would be better in a Jonathan Gannon type defense because of that two safety look that we expect him to use. And so, you know, Rasul, one of the biggest knocks on him was his lack of speed. But I think if you have help for him over the top, that would make him a better player. When he went to Carolina, when he left, he had a pretty good, uh, you know, 12, 13 game stretch with them. So, you know, I like Rasul Douglas. I think they should talk to him and bring him in. Uh, not saying he's going to make the team, but you bring him in, you let him compete, and you see if you, you can polish that diamond up a little bit and get out of him what you saw when you made him a third round pick back in 2017. Yeah, and who knows, Ed, you could change the narrative, too, because the Eagles have taken so many hits for missing on Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas. But the fact is, he played okay, especially early in the season with Carolina, I'm speaking, uh, with Rasul. Sidney Jones actually made some plays with the Jaguars. So it kind of tells you that different schemes can take advantage of the skill sets of different players. I like your mention of T.J. Carey, who was with the Colts, uh, cornerback. The Eagles need to add a cornerback because they can't go into the draft and say, okay, we're sitting here at 12. We're so bad, we have to take a corner. That's when you make mistakes in the draft. And I think that's what the Eagles have to do in free agency, sort of set up an insurance uh, policy, so to speak, so if you have at least somebody who's capable, like a TJ Carey, you can you can do that if, say, Rashawn Slater, a, a kid who everybody expects not to be there at 12, all of a sudden if he's 12, you want to be in a position to go, you know what, I want to take that kid. Absolutely. Agree. I think that, you know, you can't paint yourself in a box and say, we need a corner, let's go get a corner. But I think – Horn, Sertain are two corners that are first top 15 worthy type cornerbacks. They have the size, they have the speed, they have the experience, they have the bloodline. So I don't think, you know, they would be reaching at that point for a cornerback. And uh, yeah, it would be interesting because Slater is an offensive lineman, very good player. And that 
goes back to your DNA. Would they default to their DNA and, and bring in an offensive lineman at that point? Even though I think they are they are okay on the offensive line. Yeah, they're getting older. Um, they have these veteran players. But last year, when you see a guy like Jordan Mailata emerge, you see Andre Dillard still has that first-round pedigree. Don't know what he is. But we saw Nate Herbig play uh, well enough. And we saw Jordan or uh, Jack Driscoll. Uh, the rookie pick from Auburn come in and give them some good snaps until he got hurt, uh, probably getting stronger this offseason. So, you know, I think they have some guys that they learn some things about. Now, you could always use more depth, of course, on the O-line. But, you know, I don't think it's it's kind of that need type of pick um, that the Eagles have to make, to be honest. Uh, Maybe they get one later. Maybe they find that center because I don't think Jason Kelsey's replacement, uh, is, is on this roster at this point in time. Maybe Herbig, I don't know, but there are some good centers out there. I haven't taken the Penn state center, Michael Manette in my mock draft on, on day three in the sixth round. I mean, Jason Kelsey was a sixth round pick. So, you know, why not we dip our toe in that water again in the sixth round and find a, try to find, you know, another center. And he's a zone blocking type of center that would probably fit this system well. So, um, you know, I see your sentiment. I see your DNA default setting to that O-line, John. I understand it, but I I just don't think they go in that direction at 12. Notre Dame must not have a draftable center. Fed's got them (laughs) taking the kid from Penn State and not uh, the Golden Domer. Well, I thought about the Golden Domer, but I don't think they have a center out there. I don't think Eichenberg can play center. He's 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 a guard tackle type guy. There you go. Ed, great stuff. Uh, I would say we're not going to lose your number, but I'll just say we're not going to lose your Zoom address because that's how we're doing it these days. We will be punching you up again soon enough, certainly before the draft comes up again. Uh, thanks for hopping on with us today. We'll do it again down the road. Thanks, guys. Great. Good luck with this uh, with this show you're starting up. I love it. I'll be, I'll be listening. Our pleasure. That is Ed Kratz from Sports Illustrated, Johnny Mac's cohort at SI. All right, J-Mac, J-Mac, coming back. We'll put a bow on the show. Keep it right here on Birds 365. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The, the, the Middle. The middle. Now, Barrett's on a phone today, so that's why the, the quality isn't what yeah. you would expect. My green screen is out. Right now, we are the physical embodiment of what the Philadelphia Eagles are. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Fully showered. I've got my hair uh, slicked back with product. And I gave you guys a precursor for what last night was going to be. A whole lot of this. And I was right. The Middle with Aton Sander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Sprinkler Fitters Local 692 represents a storied history and heritage of steam fitters, plumbers, and gas fitters dating back to the late 1800s and continues today to thrive into the 21st century. Local 692 is a highly trained group of skilled individuals. Local 692 represents the Philadelphia building trades and provides excellence completing the job on time under budget. Local 692, a proud member of the Philadelphia Union community. Wayne Miller, business manager. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. 
It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Day one of Birds 365 coming down the home stretch with you here. John McMullen, Jody McDonald with you. We'll be here each and every single day, Monday through Friday, at this time, 8 to 10 a.m. After the show, we'll be downloading segments of it. You can come back at any point during the day and see what you missed out. If you can only catch it for a couple of minutes, you got to get off to work. I know that's kind of important. You know that uh, we'll have the clips uh, broadcasting the show all day long here on Birds 365. All right, before I ask you a couple of questions that we get out of Dodge for day one, Johnny Mac, I got to tell you, I really appreciate the streaming questions and or points that we have here on our show. I did not know that on day one, we were going to have as much response as we are from uh, those who are commenting on our show uh, as we go forward, uh, giving critiques more than anything else. Every once in a while, a little shot. That's fine. We both have thick skin. We're going to have to. Um, Yes, we're just getting underway. We might not be as slick at this as some other people are doing the streaming thing as we are. We'll get better as the show goes along, but are you catching the comments? Are you watching the comments on the stream? What do you think? Yeah, of course. And I'm, I'm thrilled that people are engaged and, and it's, it is a new brand. You know, we're both used to the, the talk radio format. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that the caller driven format is the way to go. I love this, this immediate comment. And we got some great intel from Ed Kratz, Joe Santa Liquido on earlier. I think the people are going to enjoy it. And yeah, I mean, we got thick skin. You know that. <laughs> We're going to have to. Uh, always have, uh, always will. But uh, thanks to all those who have hopped on and commented again. Uh, we, we appreciate the critique. We'll also take questions if you've got them, something specific that you want us to answer or cover for you here on uh, Birds 365. Go ahead and put it up there on the comment section. You can uh, tweet us. You see our Twitter handles uh, underneath our faces here on the stream. Uh, so if you prefer to go that route, do so. Uh, you've got Johnny's Twitter. you got my Twitter. And if we get good tweets, both uh, during the show or after the show, we'll respond and or carry them over into the next day show. I right, Speaking of carrying over, I mentioned, I asked Ed the last question about uh, free agency. Uh, yes, Howie Roseman has a track record for in phase three or phase four of picking up a, uh, a diamond in the rough, uh, going back to that 2017 Super Bowl team. I think it's a, a stretched lot of the free agents that are left, and it truly would be a diamond in the rough if they found a uh, long or a, a blunt at this stage. But the Eagles have very little uh, cap room as well. Do you think this is a time where they actually can improve the roster, or do you think all their focus right now is on the draft, which is 24 days from now? 
No, I, I, I do think it is a point where they can improve the roster. And we go back to 2017 because the Eagles uh, did it so well during that season. I've argued, you know, Patrick Robinson even more than Chris Long and LeGarrette Blunt. To me, he was the best slot corner in football that season. Nobody saw that coming. He In training camp, he was playing outside. We all thought he was going to get cut. All of a sudden, they move him inside. He turns into a star gets a big contract in New Orleans, hasn't worked out for him there. So it is, you know, sort of a lightning strike when you hit in phase two, but it's not like it's rare. I mean, there is good value to be had. Uh, and I think the Eagles already saw that with Anthony Harris. I think that is a terrific upgrade for this team at the safety position. You're talking about a guy who led the NFL in interceptions two seasons ago and you know, took some hits in Minnesota because they had so many injuries. Daniil Hunter, Michael Pierce hops out, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks. Guess what? Those guys aren't playing. You're not going to look good. Eagles were able to take advantage of that. He's going to step in uh, and provide them veteran leadership and talents and skills at the safety position. One thing I thought the Eagles never did last year, they didn't replace Malcolm Jenkins either on the level of his play on the field or in the leadership role that he had in that Eagle locker room. And I know not everybody believes, and you can't judge it as well in the COVID world in which we're dealing. You got to go into the locker room. You got to judge it and feel it and see it with your own eyes. You can't do it as much now. You have to rely on players uh, telling you, uh, yes, this guy's a leader. Yes, this is a guy we listen to. Yes, this is a guy who got in our faces. So it's more difficult but do you agree with me that they never really replaced Malcolm Jenkins? I think they missed his leader, leadership as much as they did his production on the field. Yeah, I agree. But, Jody, it's difficult to do that. So, I mean, there there aren't a lot of Malcolm Jenkins in this league. I mean, a guy who played was so versatile. I mentioned it with, with the kid from Notre Dame. We'll go Notre Dame again, JOK, the versatility. Um, he played seven different positions for this team. He played – every single position on the back end, and was a locker room leader. Interestingly, though, Jalen Mills is a guy who I thought the Eagles should have tried to bring back, and he got a big deal uh, from New England, at least in a relative sense. So I do believe he showed some things, and it would have been better to get him back and to continue to grow as a versatile piece on the back end. Eagles weren't able to do it, though. One of the things I definitely want to talk about tomorrow on our second edition of Birds 365 is the coaching staff. The entire coaching yeah, staff, did, but yeah. certainly a focus on Nick Sirianni because he's going to be an important part of this building year, reconstruction year that the Eagles are in. Uh, I know I had to eat a lot of crow at the end of this past season because I said all offseason long, well, major advantage for the Eagles because – they were the only team that kept their coaching staff intact. New Giant coaching staff, new Cowboy coaching staff, new Washington football team. At the time, they were the Redskins coaching staff. The only staff that stayed together was Philadelphia. That's a major yeah. advantage for the Eagles. How'd you weren't the out? only one who thought that, Jody. So don't take too, don't feel too badly. Oh, I right. think we all thought. We looked at that division, and said, "Well, the Eagles got a huge advantage. No, no off season." They're the only team with the coaching staff. A Super Bowl winning head coach didn't work out. I mean, it just 
everything went off the rails. I harped on it. So, yes, I'm willing to take the bullets I deserve for it. We flip side it this year. Second year for the Cowboys coaching staff. Second year for the playoff uh, earned. You might laugh when I say that, but they did earn a playoff spot, Washington football team. And the second year under Joe Judge, who I thought showed a little something-something this past year, while as the Eagles are the only team in the division with a new coaching staff. After what happened last year, I'm not as worried about it as I may have been that a new coaching staff isn't something you can get over. They did in Washington. There were explanations as to why the Cowboys, Jack Prescott's injury, uh, and the Giants came up a little short. But I do want to uh, get that much more into the coaching staff with you tomorrow, the type of hires that they made, the type of guys that they're bringing in, how it will all come together under Nick Sirianni. So that's something you can look forward to tomorrow. We'll probably have a guest or two ready to go for you as well. Our maiden voyage here on Birds 365. Hey, John, we didn't sink the ship. We're still afloat some two hours later. I think we've at least achieved that. Hey, man, that's small steps. Like I said, Jody, we didn't sink the ship. It only moves. It only moves forward from here. We'll see if we can get two full hours in for you tomorrow. Don't forget here on Jacobs Media and uh, phillyvoice.com. Coming up in just an hour from now, you'll get the middle Aton Barrett. Harry Mays will be aboard, and they'll talk all things uh, Philadelphia sports, including the return, non-return of Joel Embiid. Came back for a game, all went well. Sat him for a game, not so good, against the uh, Grizz yesterday. So the middle coming up in about an hour. In 22 hours from now, Birds 365 with John John McMullen and Jody McDonald will be right back here on Jacob Media and phillyvoice.com. Have you saved a great Monday, everybody. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.